0: No, right.
1: think, of this, think of this, it's 6.30 in the morning and you just rocked my brain. No, I'm not kidding. We're talking about your awesome dog and animals sensing energy. Yeah. Right? Since sensing how somebody is. And here's also the interesting we're saying, so Truman is sitting here curled up on the couch and Coach Claude is saying, like, think about how hard it is being an animal. It's like a kid sitting at the dinner table, and the adults are all talking, and you're like, is this another language? Like, we're having this conversation here, and Truman has no idea what we're speaking. It's like, like, what is the dog hearing? Is he hearing anything at all?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're hearing tones, but the is- Is he paying is,
1: attention? Is he paying attention?
0: Uh, he's probably
1: in and out of it, because he feels safe, I guess, to a certain degree. But you made the point, though, which I thought was really interesting. An animal is always on edge because it's, that's genetic, right? Because it's until humans were like, hey, we're going to domesticate you. They're out in the wild, right? So you can't just, it's always like what? Sleep with one eye open. Right. Right. right? I mean, if you think about it, I think that's fast. Like when you actually think about it, I think we take these things for granted that animals are always on edge. They don't get to relax even in your house. Yeah. what do you think of that I mean, no I think that I that... think that animals are
0: always on edge because they um yeah they they don't have their I suppose if they were in the wild in a wild setting where yes it's freezing cold right now it's the time of year but they have in some ways more predictability than they do with us right because there's it, it's much simpler it's a much simpler setting, right? I mean you you have <laughs> you have nature and it's it's a much simpler setting. Your knowns are like, okay, well, I know it's gonna be cold. All right, let's let's all huddle together. I know that there's a possibility of dangerous and other dangerous animals or whatever. But in a house, stuff can fall on you, kids can run over you, strangers come in all the time. You don't know, oh this is this is a totally new stranger, <laughs> whatever. There's sounds, there's You know,
1: there's there's unpredictability total. Like, oh, it's funny. You're right. I think there's more unpredictability in the house than there would be. outside. And they're reliant on us for their food. You know,
0: I mean, there they just go get it. They just and then they're reliant on us to take them out for a walk or let them out in the backyard. This is dogs. But I mean, they're reliant on us for all this stuff, which amps up probably their anxiety, because if they were in the wild, they just go to the bathroom. If they were in the wild, they just go find food. And they would, when they wanted to, they wouldn't, they'd have their own autonomy, <laughs> which I'm not advocating for all dogs to be wild. That's not, I don't even know how we got started on this.
1: We were talking about it, but you know, if you think about it, it's. Oh, 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 ready? Tennis fact. Do we have a tennis fact button? Like, no. like, where it's like, uh, I'm going to share, like, I a, think we a need red. a tennis fact button. Could though. we have a fake? Well, let's just pick a button colored that we don't know. The green, what does one do? Do we know? Do you know what that sound is? Uh, this is not a no. Term. That's
0: the failed sound. I think that's the sound you probably wanted. I'm guessing. I don't know. These are all presets. No,
1: no. That's 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 more like. Oh man, great shot. Like oh, that's a great, <laughs> great point. But hold on. You said wild dogs. Here's yeah. a tennis fact. Mm-hmm. Somebody can correct me. I read a lot of books. I could be blending here, but the reason we say let when the ball hits the net on a uh-huh. serve. is that back in the 15, 16, 1700s, 1800s, there were wild dogs, and they would sometimes run across the court, and someone would say... Let the dog through. Wow! Wow! That's a circuitous route. Isn't that? Come on! It's a good connection. Yeah. Yo, let 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 the dog through. I'm not serving right now, so it's not worth. I'm less amazed about what you
0: said, but how you connected the two. You know that that was so.
1: The other thing you don't know about me, for people that are listening or anybody that's listening, and you, I have issues. (laughs) <laughs> like my brain is all. No, over I think the that's great because my brain I, is all over the I would
0: never, I would never have brought us, I would never have brought us back to so, so energy
1: than dogs. Then I can always bring it full circle, baby. So hold on. So we have, we have yeah. dogs that are always on alert and that also then will play into that, which is why they can read emotions. They can read energy and, Think about how important that is. If well, you so can
0: people. We just choose to, yeah.
1: No, right. That's what I was about to say. Is that if you can't read your opponent's energy when you're playing tennis, how do you know if you're doing something right or wrong? I mean, well, let I guess, me ask you, know, you are that- because there could be this thing where maybe you're losing early on in the first set, but you're really not. Maybe emotionally, you're controlling your opponent. I would argue that emotional control over a match is more important than the initial score because it'll be like a house of cards. You know, I always love watching a match and I know the announcers are trying to make it exciting for people to stay watching, you know, but they're, Oh, what's going on? It seems like she's, she's, she's dropped the first four four games. There's no way she's coming back. She's got, she's been broken twice and she's, you you know, and she's, she, she hasn't, it's, she hasn't held. I mean, it's, there's no way she's going to come back. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's 6-4 and it's over. And the second set, she won 6-1. Right? And what happened? There and, But she looked so nonplussed by it. There was no reaction from the person that won. Right? You get what I'm saying? So there was some other control there and confidence thing that was going on. And I think the failure of tennis is, one, we don't explain these things when people are watching matches, which I wish we would, and I don't think that we spend enough time coaching it, myself included. I wish I had more time to sit down and say, hey, let's really really flush this out about emotional control of your opponent. But then there's also recognizing your own emotions as you're playing and uh, the emotions that you're um, letting out the emotions that you are are giving value to at that moment are they helping you or hurting you and I think we have to as coaches help a player figure out regardless of the type of emotion is it actually helping you at a competitive level
0: so uh, this is part of the thing with tennis rockers is a uh, to go back to um, go back to very essential elemental topics and take them apart in great detail. And the reason that that's important is because in today's fast forward life, fast forward internet life, we're too uh we don't we don't take a look at these things and we just assume we know what we mean by these things and we don't and by assuming that we get a confused message and then we don't really get what we're supposed to do and we don't get what we're supposed to do and how these concepts impact what we're supposed to do. really it's how these concepts how these things impact what we're supposed to do so you can sit there all the time and you say well we run a high performance facility or we do this and we're focused on the the unit turn and the you know whatever it is but it's like listen you got to dial it back every day to the basics you know it's kind of like in the military. Right. The military brings it back to basics all the time, like the core of discipline. Right. The core of the They break you down and they break everything down before you're going to operate a missile system <laughs> or before you're going to whatever you're going to do. It doesn't really matter. Repair an expensive aircraft if you're a mechanic. Right. It doesn't really matter in the military you break it down to its basics all the time, all the time. You revisit the basics all the time, man. And people get to the point where they hate the basics, but they also can appreciate what those basics, because you see people all the time who've left the military and they're like, they're like, yeah, the, the amount of discipline that I got in there when I came in, I couldn't have done, I was not this person. And when I came out, I got this incredible level of discipline, but they're really good at, they're really, really good at, taking the six and make space important and breaking them down and being like, okay, look, this is, y- y- this is important. And they're giving, it, and they give think it a they level that, of importance.
1: They do that though. So these basics become second nature. So when you're in battle, you don't have to think about it.
0: It's not just second nature.
1: Okay. It's, it's
0: also before you ever get to the second nature factor, it's really appreciating the depth of that simple, simple thing that that simple concept the depth of that sim- like they take a simple concept into depth so like when if they- you're going to shine your shoes you're not just gonna, oh well, I shined my shoes. There's like a That's five it.
1: step process we're gonna go there through. There is a right
0: process now. that go that you go through. There's an appreciation of why a soldier has shined shoes. There is an appreciation of you want straight heels. You don't want crooked heels. If you have you go you go on, you go on just the way you stand will screw things up. But also when you go on a march, your your knees are gonna hurt, whatever. There is it it, it goes back to the the not this is so overdone, but the John Wooden thing where the first day of practice he would look at everybody's shoes and he'd walk from person to person and look at their shoes and their socks and he would comment on each one of their shoes the laces the way they were laced and you can sit there and say well this is detail or whatever but he wanted and part of it was a, probably a whole bunch of reasons he wanted to be able to take the emotions and the focus off of what am I going to do next? Or how am I going to, how am I going to compete with this other guy? Or how am I going to, uh, how am I going to show off or how am I going to whatever? And he broke it down to its basic, like, okay, I want to look at your shoes right now and I want to see how you tied them. Oh, you didn't double knot that, you know, that's going to come undone on the court. Right. And the guy's like, I, I thought we were here to practice, man. What are we doing you know like it would be like in the military i thought we were here to shoot guns man blam blam <laughs> right <laughs> and it's like no actually you're going mean, why did they why in the military do they make you break down your gun they make you take apart your, your gun whatever it is your gun or your long your long gun your rifle and they they field strip it and they tell you to because they want you to appreciate the detail that goes into every part of that whether you agree with guns or not that's not the point here the point is is that the level of appreciation for that detail. And so when you say that in practice, I, I wanted to just catch you and take a step back. And I wanted to emphasize what we're trying to do here. And that is we're really field stripping down all this stuff because I think we're glossing over it too quickly to get to the meat. We're like, okay, you know what I mean? Like
1: we want to see, and we all want to see results. Everybody wants to see results. Well, I think that's the, pre- that's the pressure of results is taking Away our ability to field strip. Yeah. And can I give an example? Sure, yeah. Yesterday I was working with a student, great kid, he's 15, and he has trouble connecting patterns. Okay, so like, like connect brain body connections and patterns. So when he sees something, he gets it. Okay, now when it comes to implementation, right leg goes left, left leg goes right. It's, it's, everything's going, and he's like, how's that? And you're like, it's not even close. And, he, and he's cool about it. He's like, uh, he, and he knows. So he's like, okay, here I go again. What do I got to do? And he's so cool about it, right? Because he, he's completely self-aware. And, and this is emotional. I want to interrupt. This is emotionally hard for
0: anyone at any, well, it's easier for little kids, but it's emotionally hard for people. And it can be, and I wanted to talk about this eventually, but it can be an invisible
1: barrier to people. No, I agree. And he has found a way to accept how he is so he doesn't get down on himself. Super frustrated. No, we've had long, I mean, this is like year four or five I've been working with him now, right? And it's, again, he's looking to play it at a decent level socially. And he's just, he's getting a lot out of it. So I've learned to go, and his mom's been great. She was saying, hey, do what you want. Go as slow as you can. I don't care. I just wanted to find something that he likes to do and get a little bit of you know uh, athletic uh, ability and some exercise and connect with somebody. So we're working on the serve. I'm doing the thing, you know, all football coaches, we love our footballs because it's a good way to break up a lesson. And it's fun. I don't care if you like football or not. Throwing a football is fun. So we're throwing footballs, um, and then we start talking about, you know, I have the traditional, I love the sock, the tennis ball and the tube sock. It's very old school where you get to, you put a, a tennis ball in a long sock, and then you can keep the motion of the arm so there's no hitches if you're going to go with that style of serve. Where surf. if you don't keep the motion, the sock Hits drops. you in the head, right. The right. sock
0: drops. That's the important part. And the ball hits you. Because that gives you a signal. That's that's it. Well, so for for people who haven't seen it, you load up a, t- a a a tube sock with like three or four tennis balls and then you go through whatever motion you're going to go through particularly the serve which you've done with us and you go through the motion and if your arm crooks you drop whatever it hits you in the head
1: (laughs) and you're like what you know funny is when adults are like what 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 just happened and you're like what just happened your your arm is like a stick it doesn't bend you're gonna break it but we hit we didn't get. It took a while to get the sock moving where it didn't stop, where, where it didn't hit him. It took 25 minutes, but I didn't feel the pressure that I had to get to hitting a real tennis ball. So I think in the end, we threw the football for 10, 25, let's say almost a half an hour. So 40 minutes, we never hit a tennis ball for 40 minutes. Now somebody else watching that would be like, well that's a complete waste of money, but that's what this student needs. And we, and here's the great part, when we got the last 15, 20 minutes, and we actually started hitting a serve, his arm was moving really well. They weren't going in, but they were going over the net, and they were going really fast. And he looks at me at the end, he goes, that was a good lesson, I did well. And I said, you did. Because the goal wasn't to, oh, get it in the box, right? Because he has these other limitations. His goal was, can I get my arm to loosen up? And he's accepted that whatever we're working on, that that one thing is what we're going to get. And, you know, I was just so proud of him that one, he's matured into somebody that can accept his own limitations, but he doesn't let those limitations emotionally derail him. And then he's not embarrassed to be out there and have other people on another court doesn't even look over it doesn't even phase him and you know that's that in itself is a superpower but again if i felt that pressure to serve a lot of balls i don't know if he would have left that lesson with that reaction because i would have been like okay well that's enough this is getting boring for me come on come on come on we're going to hit some tennis balls now or this- if
0: you had the parent lurking in your head in the background oh. <clears throat> because
1: you had because oh. you had
0: you had had multiple conversations with them. You had a, had a different conversation starting out with this parent, which was like, I don't really care. Do whatever you want versus it's not always
1: this overt, like, uh, no, you just said, can you hit? No, hit it. Hit it. Hit the, what? The smarticle button like that. The, yeah, that's uh, the one. That's the one. This one. So, yes, what happened? They, you, know, you just hit something. This is this should be another episode. I'm just going to say it. and We can move on. The parent lurking in the head or the expectation that's lurking in the head for a coach. Coaches, you might be going off right now and be like, oh my gosh, he just hit on something. Or you're going to be like, duh. But because I had that conversation, it made relax I anything with this kid and it's okay. Well, it gave you the freedom to be a little bit more creative and loose. And- but it took away pressure and tension from me. Yeah. And let me. But it
0: also took away pressure and tension
1: from the kid. Everybody, no, which is so it created the optimal learning thing, and there wasn't a timetable. Right. So if you saw the kid five years ago, you'd be like, "Oh, there's no way." You see him now, you'd be like, "Wow, he's pretty good." And you're like, "Yeah, but and ready?" And this is this is not like this kid's out practicing all the time. This is once a week, sometimes twice, off and on. This is just a, a fun thing to do. And now it's changing. Now it's taken this long, for, right? But
0: it was interesting. You did say one thing, and then I want to get back to this energy concept. But you did say something here. You said that when you had the initial conversation um, with the parent, it. You, but you said this loosely, but you said, I, "I," she said, or he said, whoever it was, something to the effect of, I don't care. I just want them... I just want him to find something he likes to do. So there is an agenda there. She wants him to find something he likes to do. And if you take that apart, we field strip that clearly there's a lot, there's things he's been introduced to that he just doesn't like to do. There must be. And she does have an agenda because she wants to have him find something that he likes to do. Did you ask her? You probably didn't, but why she, why tennis?
1: Yes. Or she... No, I can I tell you why. Okay. Uh, the, her parents both play. Okay. She grew up just hitting. She never played on a tennis team. Right. The dad just likes to hit. So he'd be like, hey, come on out. When she was younger, the mom is, plays. So you have the, mom, the grandparents that play. She plays. And he had real, a real bad experience with coaches and other people in other sports. Okay. And he just doesn't have a lot of like like I'm I'm like a dog. You throw a ball, I'm like running after it. This kid you throw a ball, he's like huh. Right? So there was this also thing of like He's like my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Truman's like well, the kids
0: are like, when are we going to get a dog who likes to fetch something? I'm like, not this dog.
1: <laughs> you know, no. Truman looks at you and is like, wow, you guys should go get that. You right. dropped, you dropped your ball. Human. Seems to me, <laughs> seems to me
0: that that was a mistake of yours,
1: but <laughs> no, interesting. No, 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 let, no, let me finish. So, no, no. So, so there is that. And the th- understand when we had the initial conversation, like boys who are like dogs when you throw the ball, she said he, she checks in with him did you want to go back to Sully? And he was like, yeah. So she always asks and he can leave at any time. Right. And then
0: after. Interesting. She didn't say, do you want to go back to tennis lessons? But that's another comment that I, well,
1: I don't know what she said. I, I don't oh, know. Okay. But all yeah. I know, she asks him and like, but there's you-
0: also some pressure there because the parents, because the parents do play to some degree, there's a
1: little oh, bit but of but pressure, there's so- but the- hold on. there's a little social pressure because when they go away, guess what the family's doing. Right. And he's like, Okay, I'm gonna go uh, play
0: on the iPad. <laughs> right, which, which and they're like, no, you can't, or whatever. Or, 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 I mean, you right, know, right. Just yeah. it's
1: it's but it's it's a thing now. You're like, well, that looks like fun, right? Or or and the thing was tennis is they play a lot of pickleball too because grandparents and he loves pickleball now. But like he was uncoordinated for fight, he couldn't play, right? But now it's like you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be. Uh, uh, you just
0: said something. I have to, and we have to get back to energy, but. <laughs> Welcome we, to tennis rockers. That, where we have a
1: topic that we never come back to. No, we will. <laughs> that, that,
0: that looks like fun. You just said something that looks like fun. And it's interesting what goes into that fun because I have been on courts where I've seen kids and adults and they're trying to have fun. But like you always say, you can't fake tennis. So you, So it's there, there needs to be, and this is one of the the things we struggle with, I think in tennis is that, you know, you get a football, you can throw a football back and forth. Even if you're a waffler, you can still throw a football baseball. You can throw the ball and you can play catch and it's fun. And while you're still setting it, whatever you can. And the same thing kind of with soccer, you can kind of do that. I don't know about hockey. Eh, That's not so easy because you got to, you got to combine skating and hitting this puck no that's, way on hockey that's rough no no, not <laughs> no, hockey. no way but but hockey in some ways is similar to tennis in that regard you, you've got to coordinate a lot of body brain type stuff and so making it fun it's not as accessible tennis is not as accessible on in the fun department the acquisition department of being fun is like it, it's like yeah you're gonna have fun but after you develop a baseline level of skill right well think of this
1: the parameters of tennis is set up for failure not success because if you step on a soccer field it's here are the directions use foot kick projectile it rolls and you've got a giant field right well, even if it moves three inches, you're successful. But it can right? turn ugly once you're playing a game. No, of but soccer. I'm talking about just as from a kid's perspective. Right. Oh, I made the ball move. Right. Okay. Success. Here's a racket and a ball. It's got to go over a net, which is clear right away. Right. And then it's the going to drop in the green area. Right. And like you're like what and then you're just like this doesn't make sense and after like 40 tries it still doesn't happen so
0: and then what they did was they said okay well because also what you forgot to add was it's a yellow high compressed ball (laughs) right it's a yellow high compressed ball different than the than all the other strata of balls we have out there with the giant foam ball to the red ball to the orange ball to the green dot ball Right, of different levels of compression, which can dramatically slow the ball down. And that's why in tennis, we always, or not, not always, but we have over the last 15, 20 years, started with the spongy red ball and then gone up to the red ball, red and yellow ball, right, and done this. And clearly, this is a subtextual message uh, that's being sent, which is it's complicated. I don't even know if it's complicated, but it's not easy. Right, I mean, what's the bo- What other sport? I mean, does soccer, basketball, what other sport has five different levels of compression balls?
1: I got a new slogan for in tennis? order to learn it. I got a new slogan for tennis. This is <laughs> no, this is gonna really keep the reality check and test. Here it goes. Ready? Here, here's a, here's the new advertising for tennis. Tennis. Welcome to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like you can have a devil holding a, by racket. the way,
0: this is coming from a coach that's been coaching for 20 years. So this is not like some guy who just farts around. He teaches, he's teaches a lot of people. And so just so you know, this is not coming from some guy who farts around on a court and is like miserable because he can't get his game down you know you get Thank you, you got you said you were up all night with cramps a couple of times oh my ago god that's brutal because you're on your feet for some days you're on your feet teaching lessons for 12 hours a day yeah so it's, it's just yeah. to give you an idea that's what you
1: so, so mom bad. to gave free range. so there is took away she took away any like any like, but that's
0: a direct contrast with fun, a lot of tennis families fun, right fun. because a lot of tennis families would be like no you don't understand the parents play, we play, the grandparents play, oh, we right. want yes. him to play at a certain level and you need to produce that. That's what we're paying you for, blah, 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 blah. That's
1: not- That's that. that's hard pressure yeah. versus soft pressure. Right. And, and if there's hard and pressure- And it's an
0: energy, we
1: can go back to energy. That there, that But that energy, that hard pressure to be successful is not conducive, one, to coaching or teaching- and I'm sure school teachers would agree with me on that, and that hard pressure also doesn't help your kid or anybody, right. to, because then you're you're closing out. So it's okay. Here we go now. I just I just connected the dots here. When you add, when you add hard pressure to yourself, the emotions come up, and the emotions crowd the headspace you need. To process. And I'm going to take it further.
0: Please. The emotions cause the body to lock up.
1: Okay, so we have a three-tiered thing here. You have, you're going to have a lot of pressure, which is going to have you get anxiety, and you're going to start closing out the thinking space you need to process this welcome-to-hell sport, and then the body locks up. Yes. It's,
0: I, I mean, so so what, are you, what are you going to learn? you're going to learn that you don't like this,
1: that it's it's an uncomfortable situation and that you don't want to be there. And that doesn't actually have anything Mm -hmm. to do with the sport or or what you're doing. That's just just, just from the environment that was created when you walked into that.
0: Yeah. Which, uh, listen, I mean, if you walk into a class, I mean, that's the delicate balance that everybody walks, right? Because a parent might put a kid in a class, but unknowingly they put them in this class that, you know, there's maybe the kids are more skilled than your kid and the kid is like and then it's okay if it's more than your that pen success or failure of that all depends on a huge combination of things it depends on the other kids if they've been told by the coach and conditioned field stripped and ready that like military style when a new person comes in i don't give a damn if they suck or if they're good or they're better than you, you treat them as equal. You do not get snarky. You do not jump on them. You do not judge them. You just allow them to just be there and go through the motions and see what happens. And if they do, if you do think that they're not good players, you be the statesman, the elder statesperson, and you assist. You say, hey you know, I, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, don't have to co-coach. I know coaches will get upset or whatever, but you, but, but in a big group, when you got 10 kids or whatever, it helps to have some co-coaches and it's good experience for the kids to be able to kind of assist with somebody who's, so you got, you got the pressure of the kids, you got whether the coach did you know, has said that, and then you got the parent who's a little nervous about it's the class, and did they have fun, and did they feel good, and then the kid knows that the parent wants them to have fun, and that the parent maybe <laughs> wait, are, wait.
1: by wanting them to have fun, you're creating pressure right, to have fun. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, wait, we can't even have fun these days without anxiety. Right, uh, because the parent, <laughs> because the
0: parent is like, because the parent is wait, like, did you have fun?
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: Did you have fun? I I, I
1: don't know. I guess. Well, you you don't understand.
0: You don't understand. We have signed you up for six different classes and you are you know we have to figure out something here because you're in baseball, you're in chess, you're in, you know, whatever it is, you're in movie making. No, no, just go we you could
1: just have a class saying we signed you up for the fun class and you didn't have fun. (laughs) And it's like I didn't know, I was trying to have fun, but it's too much pressure. I was starting to laugh, and then I caught myself laughing because I thought maybe I should be crying. I'm not really sure what's happening right now.
0: Or I thought I should be taking it more seriously, and then everybody was looking at me because I I was laughing and, but wait,
1: that's hilarious. Fun. You should be taking it more seriously. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. I think that that's, that's a better, that's a better. <laughs> yeah. You should no, but that there is that I, I, I see it because yes, I remember, you know, we would leave the lessons and then I, I, we would leave not lessons, but we would leave court time and then we'd go upstairs and at your facility, we would see, I'd see all the moms standing there watching and they'd be talking and, um but but then I would talk to a couple of the moms and they were like, I just hope he's having fun and I don't know. And you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, can't you just let him just go? You know what I mean? And then, and then if you don't have to, to do that, then the kid come back to you and the kid can come back and be like, it's not fun. And then say, well, why, why is it? Not? And then have a conversation like, and this gets back to the energy thing. You know, if the kid is, if you have an open enough relationship, the child comes back and says, you know, I I just, the kids in the class aren't very nice or the coach is kind of hard, harsh or, or just whatever it is, or which has nothing to do with the actual sport itself. Right. Or I'm feeling, or the kids, maybe it's the kids are fine. The coach is fine, but are you ready? Here's the other reality. The other reality is your skills are not there yet and you feel embarrassment The kids haven't really said anything. The coach hasn't really said anything. Things are kind of neutral to some degree for the most part. But you, you know, your mom is up there watching or your dad's up there watching you or whatever. Or you as a kid, you feel this sort of onus that's on you to be able to. And that, and you do, I mean, when you, when you laugh about stuff or you, You know, we have to do that though, and I think that the problem is we've created too much, too linear of a path of fun equals successfully arcing the ball over the net. In you know what I mean?
1: Well, but but not just that. Like fun means you get really good at something very quickly, and that's going to be fun. But that is actually not the trajectory of learning at all. If anything, I'd argue it's it's a slower, more thoughtful. So then, you're drawing a
0: distinction in this. We really, the distinction. Oh,
1: you hit the button! Oh, <laughs> I had oh to. This one,
0: you gotta draw. You gotta draw the distinction between fun, and I think I'm gonna lose this here, but I'm gonna try. You have to draw the the distinction of within fun of of getting good at something, right? Um, versus, um, uh the joy. It's the joy of. Um, I don't want to say connecting the dots, but, but it's kind of, it's, it, it connect the joy of connecting the dots is not necessarily getting good at something. Right. But there's a joy and there's a satisfaction in that. Right. So in other words, you could probably give way better of an example than I can, but if you have somebody, you have a student, I'm sure you, you, you can jump in anytime, but if you have a student that, your your it's kind of goes back to what you talk about with the 15 year old and making connecting the dots in the sense of like anybody from the outside their concept of fun would be oh he's getting this very quickly well you must have had fun right <laughs> and you're like well actually the fun comes in the form of the joy of connecting the dots where your student said to you you know that was a really good lesson right But if you were to look as an outside observer to that, you'd be like, he's spending 30 to 40 minutes with a sock (laughs) dropping on his head. This does not look like fun. This looks stupid. And this does not look like tennis. I expect a racket. I expect this and I expect that this does not look like fun at all. This looks stupid. And you know what? We're not going to pay for it. I'm just saying that no, could be I, someone's perspective. No, that is a perspective. And I think we Absolutely. need to call that out that, you know, getting good quickly. You can say that's fun because everybody's kind of emotionally relieved. Like when a child first does something and they struggle, whether it's riding a bike or getting on a skateboard or whatever it is, and, and they have a moment of fleeting success. And kids, I see it with my kids all the time. When they have that moment, that flash mode of fleeting success, even though it's not long-term, they're like, they're like, dad, I did this and it's so exciting. And they're excited. And, but oftentimes I could see how parents are like, yeah, that's nice. Call me when you can do it straight for 30, for 30 seconds. Or call me when you can do it straight for two minutes. Or yeah, that's nice. But upping the ante, like, show me when you can do this. Like, they're just thrilled with the ability to do the basic Right, the tying of the shoe. And we tend to, we t- because of our fast forward culture, we tend to forget how joyous that is. Like that's. So,
1: uh, Gandhi, if I can quote him. Whoa. I'm going to go Gandhi. Satyagraha. Shameless plug. One of my, my first bands, Satyagraha, named after Gandhi's movement of peaceful resistance, he had a saying that said, Joy lies in the struggle in the fight in the suffering involved so when you take that away when you take away the struggle when you take away the fight nothing's worthwhile because it was too easy so if you have somebody like my sock what's oh, called sock boy sock boy serving lesson who's struggling and then ultimately gets it the struggle where somebody might see that and be like, "Oh, I feel so bad for him." That's actually thing wanted then. So there there is when he does get it, there's an appreciation, but also through that appreciation and the struggle, there's a patience, a patience and a tenacity is being developed. And we miss that because we want to get we want them to get like stop suffering, but it's the suffering involved that actually allows the joy at the end of it. So we keep taking that out. Now, if you have somebody that has, a in sport at least, a brain-body connection super quick, you know, that's that girl I talked about where I tell her like twice, and then she's like, oh, that makes sense. Well, then the technical part is out of it, so there's gonna be a strategic element that we're gonna add. There's always gonna be something to add that creates suffering and a fight and a struggle because if it's not there, that, and it's, everything's easy Then there's no point in doing it There needs to be something That creates a fight for you That gives you a purpose and, 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 and actually Tests your emotion That tests your intellect That tests your body And if we take all that away And it's something's Two plus two It's four, that's correct Let's do that again, what's two plus two It's four, I told you right what's two plus two four wasn't that fun no actually it was so funny because we were having this
0: conversation on the way back from practice yesterday and they were talking about their teacher and i was talking about the kids in the class and all this other stuff and this just brought full circle to me um because uh i said well you know the other kids in the class and you know kind of like metering them out about how they feel about the other kids in the class are they challenging them are they not challenging them whatever and they came back, they were not happy, whatever. It's not unusual. But um, in what interesting thing that connects this for me in what you just said, and we can bring it to a school thing, and this is part of what Tennis Rockers is about, is, is making these different connections in and among different disciplines so that we can bring them back to tennis to try to figure out how to make tennis better and our lives better. So he, my one son says to me, you know, he comments about the kid and he basically left a lot. He thinks they're stupid. And I'm going to go, that's cannibal. I, I, is that cannibal? It was one of my children. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was cannibal. so, so he, he makes, he lets it fly. But the interesting thing is, is I say, well, what, what's going on here? And he says, well, the teacher, they gives them all the answers. So he gets the joy of the struggle. Because he's like, the teacher gives them all the answers. It's stupid. The whole thing is stupid. He said, because he said, after they don't get it a couple of times, the teacher just gives them the answer. Now, part of it is the teacher, it's not her fault. She's got to move on. She's, she's got, got the
1: pressure of a time. She's table. got the
0: pressure of a parent. She's oh, the, got the oh, pressure of, of Illinois state regulations. Ugh. She's got the pressure of an administration. She's got a lot of pressures of things to accomplish. And the hard part is, is nobody wants to hear, we're not there. We have to keep moving forward. And she's only going to give so much of her time, oh, right? Oh, no, the, and the, nobody the, wants to hear, listen, you got to work on this at home.
1: <laughs> no, 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 but, but hold on. You just, this is, I think it's... it's oxymoronic <laughs> you just said we're not there yet but we have to move forward right <laughs> like, what right what that's the worst model but for honestly, teaching anything but honestly
0: that's how we're proceeding in today's culture i mean don't you don't you see it you see it I, all the time
1: but i, I I'm, a, I'm just astounded that's becoming though.
0: an operating that's becoming an operating principle for most things it's like well we're not there yet at all on this but we're moving forward in other words, we're going to no.
1: You're hmm. moving forward, and I'm being left behind, and I don't know it, and I'm being an anxiety is being created in me because right. I didn't get it fast enough.
0: But I think that that joy lies in the struggle. <clears throat> I think that um, I think every tennis. I'm going to just say this. I think every test facility we're in the north so of America, so the north of North America. Anyway, no, we're in the north of the United States, and so I. I think that that joy lies in the struggle should be a mantra posted at the top of every entry door to every tennis court facility, because ultimately I think we need to, joy lies in the struggle, recenters people's thoughts and approach before they get on that court. And the
1: the expectation that this is not easy. And, and and because it's not it easy, sets you're, the sta- it, yeah, you're it, actually going to enjoy it more. It
0: sets the stage for coaches. It sets the stage for students. It sets the stage in general. Joy lies in the struggle, and we and it's a very simple mantra that can be put above you know the, the entry doors to everyone or on walls next to or 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 literally when you go down into the court, you know the big dividers and everything. Literally, that should be a sign. Joy lies in the struggle.
1: With a parenthetical. That says, so get ready to get emotional. Right. Right. Like that's, that's another one too, right? You could say tennis, get ready to get emotional. Right. Like that's, that's what struggle implies. Well, the minute there's struggle, yeah. there's frustration, there's anxiety, there could be anger, there could be, hmm, like more of an intellectual approach to it. So like, how do you break that down? Right. You want to talk about the emotional, this is how we kick this episode off you i think i kind of hijacked a little bit what did you want to say about the emotional quotient as far as the game and how important it is <laughs> you didn't just do
0: it you didn't just hijack the whole thing i have to this is every time we do this i have to on the fly so i can put together a cohesive episode i have to on the fly go where we're going and i have to brainstorm a bunch of questions and then i oh. find how to do how we're going to carry forward Rather than trying to track us back, because I'm like, well, this is good and we're going this direction, so let's just keep going. No, that's not, we're not gonna be able to pull this off in this amount of time, but. I wanted to talk about the invisible barriers oh, th- and okay, the so, invisible barriers of physical, uh, emotional, and so let so the fir- But
1: we're but we're on the emotional right now, and that's an to invisible some degree, barrier. Yeah, we are. So right? if that's the so this is how we kicked it off. Did you just refresh my? Well, brain. We started
0: with energy, really A- energy. Yeah. So if
1: you create an energy that's negative and not conducive to learning, right. that's an invisible barrier. So
0: I would and going back to what you said, I would say that the problem is if we try to tie this together that the energy that we're creating by virtue of a hidden assumption we've all made, which is getting good quickly is causing the anxieties and impeding our ability to love and want to come back to the sport. Right. I mean, it, it it, it literally, I'm just just agreeing with you. It literally, it literally is because we, we've created that operating guideline, which is kind of unknowingly. I think every court out there has done this unknowingly. I really do. I don't think this is malicious at all. I think people walk in and they walk into a tennis facility and they're like, are you going to have fun today? You're going to have fun. But by saying you're going to have fun and did you have fun and whatever? And it's like, I think a kid or a parent, a kid or an adult wants to literally look at the admin person behind the desk or whatever and be like, no, I actually didn't have fun today. And that's okay. I learned some things. I struggled. It was messy, but and messy, but I did it. And, you know, I think
1: I think I'm better off for it. I think I got somewhere. Do you know my rule for fun is mm. or enjoyment? Mm. After you've read something, watched something, done something, right? 2 to 3 days later. You're still thinking about it. If you're not, it was a waste of time. Right. So it has to have some meat on the bone.
0: But the but does I, that make sense? I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna field strip this because okay, okay, it's go. important that getting good quickly. I mean, I want people to really think about that as they listen to this episode. That fun is supposed to equal getting good quickly at something, whatever it is. And that's
1: bad. Every stage. That's bad.
0: The reason it's bad. We We're calling out the reason that it's bad. The reason that it's bad is it creates a whole set of first of all, it it's completely unrealistic to what you're about to do when you walk onto that court. It's unrealistic. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what other way to put it. I'm sure people are going to be like, "You're crazy. What are you talking about?" no, it's it's unrealistic because you're not going to get good quickly at this. It's not, I mean, even for seasoned professionals, when a pro (laughs) player who has a a practice partner, they pay a hundred grand a year, or they have a coach, they pay 300 grand a year or whatever. And they've been playing tennis for 20 years, 30 years, and they're out there. They don't get good quickly. They still have, if it's a new, if it's a new skill, whether you're changing your grip or you're changing a swing, or your footstep, or your your footwork, or your approach to the ball, or whatever it is, they don't get good quickly. I'm sorry. They don't. And they have their highly experienced people who are used to working under pressure, right? And they don't get good quickly. So how is it you think that you're going to get somebody who's just an average Joe, who doesn't practice a lot or at all, who doesn't have all these years and years and years under their belt of struggle and of trial by fire and sharpening their sword and gnawing on the bone they don't have that but they're going to get good quickly at it i mean that's a massive failing that's a massive failing and so the joy lies in the struggle is we have to reorient the way people see it and i don't mean we should all sit there and say did you have fun Well, it was a struggle this was tough i get it boy this
1: really what we should ask is hey did you struggle today yeah i did great that's awesome that's awesome yeah tell me about your struggle yeah well there hold on ready so that opens up a whole conversation where we normalize the struggle yeah so it would be hey how was your struggle today You know, I was working on my, on my volleys and it was really hard for me to switch to that continental grip and I was working on my movement actually to, to actually not step and punch because that's so old school. And
0: let's flip it. Let's while we're on this, while we're riding this wave, let's flip the conversation and go to the other side, which is where we are today. Did you have fun? I did. Did you have fun? No. And the person has to lie. The person lies and comes up and says, no, I didn't have, they lie and they go, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And then they walk away going, this fricking sucks. Yeah, but, but hold on. This but, is struggling but, or whatever. I'm struggling. Hold on. Or they say, did you have fun? And the person says, and, and this happens too. The person comes up and goes, not really. I mean, this was really tough. And the person behind the desk is uncomfortable by that or whoever it is, a friend, somebody in the locker room, they're uncomfortable by that. And they go, uh, uh yeah well you know buddy it'll get and then they pave over it well you know buddy it'll get better yeah just hang in there it'll get better I'll give it 110% whatever my point is is that look at flip it look at the look at the stuff you're up against if you were to try to see that's why this is so insidious and you do have to reorient people's visions of how was your struggle today because the thing is is look at the flip side of the way that it's perceived and reacted to by other people and then you start to think to yourself God maybe there's something wrong with me maybe I am. a little too negative here. Maybe I'm a little whatever. No, but it was a struggle. You went through this struggle, and that was hard, but But, that's okay.
1: But the the two questions ask for different answers. If you ask somebody, did you have fun, and they feel the pressure to answer yes, the conversation is over. Hey, did you have fun? I did. Most people are like, well, tell me about your fun. Right. Because that applies. Oh, it's just a pro forma thing to ask. Right. It's like, how's your day? That's going pretty well. Versus. How you doing? Pretty crappy, actually. You want to hear about it? Uh, not really. I don't have the time to hear about your crappy day. Don't ask. So how, how is your struggle is a completely different question because you're. it would show that you're interested and it would take time for them to explain the struggle and break it down. And wait, and here's the best part. By framing it that way, you're going to have people who
0: didn't struggle, maybe. They just... Like, you have students, you have said this to me before. It lets people off the hook, which is really cool. You have said to me that you've had students who are like, I just want to rally. I just want to hit the ball back and forth, and I want to pound the ball. And because it's the thing they're really good at, and they want to just feel good, they want uh, to get their energy out.
1: But i got to clarify, though. i got to clarify. I'm going to cut you off. Um, even those students yeah. want to hit at an optimal level. And it's it's literally like, We're going to keep this going. So even when we have had a rally of like 20 shots and they hit it in the net, the reaction is still like, oh, right. You know, and you're like, okay, (laughs) like because and they're not upset. They're just it's more that reaction of like, oh, I thought I had that. But there's still a struggle, there's still
0: a struggle. Okay, fine. Yes, there's a struggle. But I'm just saying, arguably, they probably had a lot more fun, even if they dumped it into the net after the 20th ball. Than the person who got out there and you pulled out your five gallon bucket because it gets to, get to that level, sit.
1: but to get to that level of rallying. There was a huge struggle.
0: Oh, I, I'm not. I'm not discounting okay, that. I'm, okay. What I'm trying to say is, I'm trying to get to this one moment in time. Why this is so important, and why we're talking about the the concept of fun here and getting good quickly. The the student where you where you have them sit on the five gallon bucket and with the and then you put the ball in the cone, you know, two feet in front of them, and you tell them to sit to hit, and they've got to do a they've got to get up, and they then they've got to do a unit turn, and then they've got to hit are like this effing sucks man that that is not that is worlds away from the guy or girl who's pounding the ball and on the 20th or 21st hit they they dump it at the net and go oh oh i suck Whatever. i I mean that's a world of difference and my point is that that level of struggle is very different i think we also have to define the level of struggle We have to be careful here in the way we define for students. We define, listen, you're going to struggle a lot here at the beginning. Or when you have an advanced student, like you're talking about who rallies or whatever, and you're going to be like, listen, you're going to be, there's going to be a struggle here. You're, you're not going to make a hundred. So if you expected you were going to make a hundred balls back and forth with me, you know, hitting the ball at 60, 70 miles an hour, yeah, probably,
1: you're not there yet. You're just not there yet. So then what you do is by clarifying the struggle, You're, you're controlling their emotional output. You're letting them off the hook a little bit. So they, so they can, you can clear the headspace to process whatever you want them to focus on or whatever they're focusing on. And it's
0: not, it's not helicopter coaching.
1: You're just, just, cause they're still going to,
0: they're still going to go through the struggle. They're still going to, they're still going to have those emotions, but you're not trying to blunt those things. You're just, you're just clarifying it. So that they can, it lets a little bit of the pressure off and they can still focus to try to go toward and achieve their goal.
1: Right. Because I think what we're doing is we're, what I'm hearing from you is by not doing that.
0: Not doing what? Clarifying
1: the struggle? Clarifying the struggle. Mm So that kind of, I'm trying to put this together in my head right now that we could be compounding the emotional quotient that they have or their anxiety or their fear. So, a little bit of that is good, but if we compound it to the point because there's an expectation that we say you need to get good faster or they may feel like they're an idiot and we don't clarify things. That's underlying. That should be getting this today because we're having a lesson that it shouldn't take you four weeks or four months for this one thing, that it compounds their emotions in a negative way that it shuts it down versus they can still come in Feeling a little anxious and fearful or whatever it may be, but by saying, hey, listen, this is going to be tough. All right. This is a struggle. I didn't get this right away. It may take you an hour, it might take you four hours. That's okay. Enjoy the struggle. It's not saying that they're not going to have those things. It's saying it's okay to feel that way, but you're not compounding what's already there to the point where it pushes out any other headspace that they may need to actually. Focus on what they need to do and feel okay. Well, mean, and, did,
0: did, did I explain it, that correctly? You did, and I think in clarifying in clarifying the struggle, I, I was just having a moment thinking about how <clears throat> I um, this is this this concept of getting good quickly has unknowingly taken over so much of our lives. You know, whether it's you go online and and they say you want to hack your way. How do you hack your way to get these hack my way? And I was going to be able to, you know, meanwhile, there's some guy who's been working at or woman who's been working at it for steadily for five, 10, 15 years. And they're not, you know, so but um, it was interesting because I don't think we see enough practice sessions. You know what I mean? Like I've seen. I'll give you an example. And this goes back to the tennis rockers thing, but I've seen like guitar players I've gone on and all of a sudden there's like a behind the scenes thing. And you, you hear them playing. This is a guitar player that you've heard play or a, a band. And you've heard them play these songs and they're, they're smooth and they're perfect and they're whatever. And then you hear like clang, clang, clang. And he's like, ah, and then he's like, he's like, Clang, clang. And then he's like, duh, 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 and you see the struggle. It's almost similar to when you, you know, YouTube has actually been great for that too. Is you see a famous tennis player. I mean, I this is me, and I've been in tennis for a very long time. But I'm watching some of these YouTube videos of like the warm up of Roger Federer, the the warm up of of Novak Djokovic, and I'm like, and and I'm like, oh my god, he just hit the ball on the net. Holy cow he said he hit the ball in the net again, wow, a third time this dude hit the ball into the net, this dude is like he's winning slams Wait, and making I, I'm, I can do that too <laughs> I can hit it in the net yes! well, but it's but yeah but but the thing is is that joy lies in the struggle he they're so far used to those types of things they don't even think about that, whereas like it's it's near in the, the smaller levels like us that mistake that whatever gets blown up into like a huge thing. Whereas for them, they're like, eh, I'll hit the next one over. They don't really even care. They, there's no, there's no recognition. So I think when you say you joy lies in the struggle, we have to develop patience. And the importance of this joy lies in the struggle is not just the mantra of joy lies in the struggle. Cause that's not good enough, but developing the patience, like you said, and the tenacity and then we have to stop. I think we have to recognize, which is what you said, which is stop the emotional suffering, right? Because there's so much of this emotional suffering, and and then I thought, well, where is this coming from? And then there's internal suffering, and there's external suffering, and we can talk about this at, in another episode. But the point is, is that it's okay to suffer. It's okay to suffer to some degree, right? It's it's it it, 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 it in that suffering. It will make you sit there and say, okay, I don't ever want this to happen again. So what do I do to not have this happen again? I have to go practice. I so if to- someone's
1: coming in with internal suffering or, and you can see that they're hard, let's just say they're hard on themselves, right? Here's Here's one, you know, someone's hard on themselves when they, they're paying a coach to teach them and they apologize for hitting it in the net or hitting it out right there. You're like, okay, hard on themselves. Type A personality, they're they need to they're a perfectionist. So for me, I can't apply external suffering pressure because that's gonna compound that, which is gonna make it even worse. And their
0: expectation of fun getting good quickly is like on a
1: on a scale of one to ten, it's like on a hundred. But 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 it's not even getting good quickly, ready? It's doing it correctly every time. Forget it's not even about getting good. That's the weird part, right? That... It's not about getting good quickly. It's about I I need to do this perfectly all the time, yet I'm not giving myself the space for but they understand that it takes a long that's the weird the weird thing. I'm trying to I know this is all like disjointed people like, can you just speak? I'm working on it right now speaking. They don't want to make a mistake, but they're in a lesson to fix their mistakes what does that do to you emotionally? What kind of suffering that is? So you understand there's an awareness that yes, I know that this will take a long time, but because I'm a perfectionist and I'm embarrassed or whatever happens every time I make a mistake, I'm apologizing to the coach who's supposed to be teaching me the thing that I can't do right now. So then why are you apologizing? So think about like what that does to the armor, Every chink in the every time that person internally hits it in the net or makes a mistake and like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, please stop apologizing. There is nothing to apologize about. And I will hit just as many in the net sometimes, seven an off day, and they'll say, Oh man, I played so poorly. I go, I hit just as many in the net. And I'm like, no, you didn't. There's a complete disconnect. They're not paying attention to anything on the other side either. They're they're not seeing the coach make the mistake. So if we can't recognize that as educators, and then we compound that by, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. So now they're saying, I'm sorry. I've got to make this work. I've got to be good. You've got to be good for the coach. No.
0: But I have to. So there's two things I think I want to just mention here. One is that then you put it in a group setting. Oh, yeah. And you take those perfectionists that are in the group setting. That have this perceived thing, and then it gets amped up because they, whether people are doing it or not, they're looking around at other people in the group for affirmation or judgment, and they're sensing that judgment, and then it just, they're in hell. (laughs) They've gone tennis. Welcome to hell. When you, when you, it was one thing you were in a private with you. Now you're in a group, and you take that person and Whether the people in your group and you've done your best as you can as a coach to be like, listen to level set and be like, this is not we don't this is not our approach here. Mistakes are good and the whole thing you have people that are compounding themselves emotionally and you don't even know it <laughs> because they're, you're just like, and and then they walk out and they're just like, they almost don't even, they want to cry or they don't even want to come back. You 100%, know? And, 100%, interesting, yeah. and this is where I think I would draw it out. I, this has been my experience that I've had to do with my kids in tournaments. I, uh, what I've had to do is my kids lose and they, you know, they get routed or whatever. And I'm like, Well, hold on a second here. Did you did you win any points within that within that game? And they're like, yeah, it was, you know, well, it was it was, you know, 30, 30 or was, you know, 30, 15 or was 40, 30. And I'm like, okay, so you won some points off the guy right through unforced errors or through their own skill. And I'm like, so you won some points and you had some great shots, taking it down to that level of detail to sort of alleviate some of that anxiety. Because frankly, let's be honest here. What we're really getting at here is that these are all barriers to the ascension of your ability to, to
1: play, to continue on playing with tennis. Do you know what? That was a good coaching moment when you do that, because if you had said, yeah, I mean, you totally should have beat them. The minute you say that, Right. and you're trying to like validate how good they are, and you start looking for excuses, and I'm not saying everybody does that, but that's one thing I've seen people do, yeah no I mean' you're, I mean your technique's way better, you know next time you'll beat them, the next time they go out, they're thinking, I need to beat them now, and that with that, and I know that sounds completely again oxymoronic, like, but that is the game is to beat them, yes, but what you're doing is you're putting beating them as the only thing forgetting everything else in the middle of the match of what's your strategy. Your strategy can't be beat them. People miss that sometimes. Well, yes, beating them means there's now all these other steps to winning a match, but just by this thing is, well, I wanted to win. So then ask them, well, then what was your plan to win? Um, to win? Well, did you notice that their forehand was actually weaker than their backhand? Did you, did you notice they were a lefty? N- they were, <laughs> you're like, I thought, right. And you're like, dude, pay attention. But you, but you know why they can't pay? Attention? I, wait, no, I oh, have go, to interrupt go, go, you because again? what we've done is, hold on. This has never happened. You pushed the button twice in an episode. <laughs> oh, I, God. we created
0: a false acquisition mentality. We've created okay. a well, one so Say that
1: again, slow down. I'm a simple tennis pro. Can you say that one more we've time? We've created a false acquisition mentality. What's
0: that? So I think what we've done by, by taking this approach, by saying, beating them, winning, whatever you want to say, ultimately it's, it's, it's total contradiction in terms. When they come to a lesson, the idea of, and the objective of the lesson is to, you know, slowly get better, <laughs> Right at some level, slowly get better. And this goes back to the, you know, getting good quickly thing or whatever. But the point is this false acquisition mentality is like, yeah, but you're supposed to beat them. But really, if you want somebody to get better, you sit there and you say, you take it apart and you say, you had some really good shots, man, you know, in the first game or the third game of that set, Boy, the way you came up to the net and you closed down the point, that was exactly the way that you were practicing it or you were doing it in your lesson or the way the coach told you to do it. That was awesome. And that becomes the takeaway and that's how you acquire skills being better. But if you always bring your if you bring your acquisition mentality back to Xs and Os and wins and losses and you know, you should have done this or you shouldn't have done that or whatever it is. We've created a false acquisition mentality and then people are unknowingly ascending in the sport based on false premises that you... In other words, the way you ascend in the sport is by making all these mistakes, by seeing that there's a struggle, by doing all the struggling and the hard work of just doing it, and then and then you will slowly start to get better. And does it mean you're going to be one of these famous tennis players right away? No. And does it ever? Maybe not. But the point is that you've created an acquisition mentality.
1: You know what this reminds me of? Right. I mean, so you're, you're you're a business guy also, and when you say like this false acquisition of what, we're, what we perceive as a success, it's almost like when a company expands too quickly and everyone's like, oh, they must be killing it, right? And you see all these storefronts opening up and it looks like they're making money and it looks like, oh, this is the best idea ever. And then five years later, they start shutting down and you realize they were actually operating in a deficit. They had expanded expand too quickly, too fast, and they could not maintain what they set out to do. Yeah, isn't that a f- they they done a- they done it probably to gobble up market share, and then it backfired. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a, flat- that's
0: a flat- acquisition. That's a flat- acquisition. But but yes, and and so the- is that
1: the same thing? So why would so would you say that's a as a business coach? Also, would you say to somebody like, hey, you don't want to expand, you need to wait. You need you to can, wait.
0: You can say that, but when you're in the heat, when you're in these meetings, these people don't want to hear it. Why? Um, and these are businesses. For, for a variety of reasons. I mean, usually the reason that they don't want to hear it is because um, there's a driving emotional reason behind it. Like, you know, we're trying to compete against these three other industries or these three other companies. And if we don't do it, the other reason can be that we're, you know, we've got money that we're do that is due and owed and this is the quickest fastest way to to start you know making capital it's also there's other reasons like they know that their product line or service line is tapping out or their customer base is tapping out and this is the quickest easiest way rather than doing R&D which, which
1: could put them out of business <clears throat> But isn't it interesting though? like... They it, don't view it like that. I, I know, but the fact that they have all these arguments... Hold on, I think we're going to bring this... I'm going to bring it back again. We have all these arguments mm-hmm. when you say something like, oh, but our product line, and then we have these investors, and there's a win-loss mentality against these other competitors. That's the same thing a parent would say about their kid and, and learning. Well, there's these other players. They go through all these other emotional reasons of why... And you're saying to a, to biz educated people that are own and run a business, this is, this is not, this is going to backfire and they're still going down that emotional route. And you're saying, listen, this is going to be a struggle. We're going to work you through this. But, but if you go down here and then initially it seems like it's working and then all of a sudden, three, four, five years later. The storefronts start closing. You're filing for bankruptcy, whatever it may be. Isn't yeah. that the exact same thing that we're, we're trying to teach, that we're coaching or teaching our kids of, well, there's all these reasons why you got to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, just wait. Let's have a store business plan. Let's have a flexible business plan that allows us to adapt to the market, that allows us to adapt to our competition, but also with the resources that you have, I think you're out resourcing yourself. So we're going to slow down your expectations based on your own personal resources are way out of balance here. And I think that's a good way to put that your mental, physical, and time resources for a student learning do not match the coaches, the parents, or the students' expectations. They all have to meet up. And if, we, if they don't, it's going to create unfun. It's going to create the wrong kind of struggle because there won't be a struggle. There'll be an internal and external emotional forces that shut down any fun, fuggle, we need to fuggle <laughs> fun and struggle. We need to fuggle some more. <clears throat> if we shut down the fuggle, don't forget to fuggle. <laughs> it sounds really bad. Hey, you fuggling, dude, I so just fuggled in, today. Implicit.
0: And so <laughs> implicit in the in the struggle though, this is really interesting. You're basically, you're <laughs> no, basically it.
1: implicit in the fuggle. <laughs> I was, okay. I was, I was actually <laughs> yeah. getting, all right, so, no. no, but in implicit the
0: in the struggle, what you're saying is, is that, uh, there's a balance even within the struggle. I think you're saying, cause yeah, yeah. ultimately you ultimately, if it's all struggle and it's, it's just like, God, this is hard. This sucks. I don't even want to come back. Like, and you haven't, you're not attaining some level of, um, of mastery, some level of whatever, then that's a problem. But implicit in the struggle is that it can't be all struggle and it can't be no struggle. It's got to be this balance of, it's got to be a a balance of struggle because if you don't have the, if you don't have the balance, it's not fun. You know, I was listening to a podcast where one of the coaches said that on a scale of one to 10, they, every lesson they try to have the students be at a six. So they're not at a one, two, three, four, five of like, "Eh, I didn't really, it really wasn't. That experience, and it, and they don't want it to be an uh, eight, nine, ten where it was too easy. It's almost like between too hard and too easy. So that's a
1: highly engaged coach that's monitor monitoring the mental, the, the brain and body. Yeah, our brain body connection. Right, yeah. right. So that think of that then. That coach then on the fly, which who who was it? Do you I don't
0: remember. It, no.
1: That's great though, right? Because that coach then is monitoring the students reactions plus on the fly adjusting the agenda that he or she may have to fit that that's a lot of work that's subtle that's a really good coach that's a really good coach yeah <laughs> okay. I, no i'm saying yeah that's as i'm writing but i'm so, so can i take something something happened yesterday yeah and this is <laughs> this is this is really i'm laughing because this is one of the funniest things ever uh, it's a lot
0: of pressure when you say that. No,
1: this is hilarious. Right. I'm going to tell it. it is, right. I wasn't going to tell if I were to tell. Cause this now is I New mean, York
0: hilarious. No, okay, it is. I was it. teaching okay.
1: it because it goes into how monitoring someone's emotions and how a lesson's going to go. Right. I had this other boy yesterday. It was my big 12 hour day yesterday. And this kid comes in and we, last week we had recognized that he was not using his legs at all. On, on hitting a ball. So we're hitting a good clip. He's 15, great kid, another great guy. I'm really lucky.
0: When you say we recognized, I think that's so hilarious. You knew it all along. He got there. He was at the moment where he could be okay with it.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. There were okay, so many let's... other. We, he needed to focus on his legs, not getting the ball over. and and Because we're hitting a better clip right now. We're hitting probably about 60 miles an hour on ground stroke. So he's getting to that point where... He, he likes that but by the third shot it's just it's he's going back behind his center of gravity he's just he he's he's now focused more on like how hard he can hit it versus getting in position getting set because my ball's coming back lower and faster at this point so last week we're, we we got that the whole lesson like it took an hour where he's like we well, he, I get it my legs my legs so it's, so we came in yesterday I said, you know, we're just going to throw some medicine ball right now, just against the wall, and 10-pound, and we're just going to work on legs, hips, rotating our shoulders. <laughs> so we're throwing it, and he's probably like five feet. I have a blue uh, with uh, pinter's tape on the wall, like for a box. Right. That's three feet high, right, just over the net. So I said, I want you to throw the medicine ball. You're about six feet from the wall there. And then he had to back up incrementally another two feet. So now he's 12 feet from the wall. And I said, now I want you to really throw this. He's like, I'm never gonna make that. I said, listen, if you use your legs and your core and you do it, almost. And he's like, I don't think I can do it. I said, come on, just power up from the legs. So I didn't realize he had put his his tennis racket leaning against the wall, two feet to the right of the blue square on, you know where this is going? On the wall. He starts to use his legs and freaks out that he's not going to do it and goes all hands and throws the medicine ball for a direct hit on the tennis racket and snaps it in half. Oh, my God. <laughs> as soon as he let go. There goes 200 bucks. Two, it was a Babolat $229 Aero Pro. He's had it for four months. Oh, <laughs> God. It snaps in half. Oh and he God. goes, I'm going to swear. Oh, shit. My mom's going to kill me. And I was like, relax. It was my fault. I didn't move the racket. I go, look at me. And he was like, what? I go, I'm going to buy a new one. It was partly my fault. You're not yeah. going to buy him a new one. I was like, I'll put it on my, th- just, just relax. And he's like, oh, oh my God. And he's, you could see like, I, I, I and I'm laughing at the same time because it was the, the other pro on the other court. It was like, that was awesome. Oh my God. And it's, it took us 20 minutes to get it back down. We got him a demo. We, we immediately got him another racket. I was like, look at me. You got my discount? I got gotcha. you. We're going to tell your mom it's probably my fault. It's all because it was. I should have noticed it. He got it back. And then he was eventually able to start laughing about it. And I would say, like, for me, at that age, Fran Sullivan, I I just would have been like, I got to go hide. Like, there's no way I could have gone on with the lesson. There was no way I was equipped at that age with my mom the way she was. And she was great. I love my mom. But she was a hardcore New Yorker. There was, I would have been, she'd be telling everybody that story for the next 20 years, bringing it up. He totally got the wheels back on. We actually, in the last half an hour, he was destroying it. And we actually took a picture of him holding the racket. And then uh, his mom texted, and she was like, Thank you so much. I appreciate helping out, but it wasn't your fault. Things happen, it's not a big deal. But his initial reaction was, I've had this before, right? And that was, but he was able to compartmentalize what had happened, still laugh about it, but not let that impede his ability by the end of the lesson where we're hitting full blast. And actually, to be
0: fair, you helped with that landing.
1: Yeah. Well, you
0: had just, if you had just done what some people might've done, which is to be like, holy crap. Wow. I'm really sorry. Jeez. Well, um, let's keep going here. (laughs) Most people that would not, I mean, you, you, even if you try to keep going at that point, you did your best to write him. That's what you did. And you,
1: you rescued the lesson. I was watching his emotions and the panic and the fear of getting in trouble and understanding that they don't have a lot of money and that this was a gift that he got, that he's had a respect for the racket, his mom, the game, and all of that tied into being a fifth-year-old going through pretty, me. I, I mean, I in right. a second had to do a, it was like, my reaction also was, Oh, sure. At the same time. Then I couldn't stop laughing. And then when I turned and saw the, pan, like the blood drained out of his face, I was like, look at me. It's going to be fine. And then later on, he's like, you know, that wasn't the most dumbest thing I've ever done. I've done worse. I go, then you're okay. And it was, but he got it turned around. and But also, ready, allowing himself to be turned around and, and finding the humor in it and allowing me to let him, t- to talk him off the ledge. I think that's also something you're teaching somebody like, listen, there's there has to be a respect between, because I love this kid, he's another, a, another great kid where we talk about movies and stuff, and just uh, music. There's a deep connection, than just, this is how you hit a ball. So I think there was an element of trust, there's an element of trust between us, just like there's an element of trust between you and your kids. Like, you, you've successfully balanced coaching, being a dad, and not screwing that up, which is really hard. So, but so there's a trust element there. And so, if there's not a trust element, I don't think you can t- talk somebody off the ledge. I don't think you can bring them back. I think it's just going to spiral out of control. So, I think I, what we learned from this
0: is that there's all this stuff that's lurking underneath, that's lurking underneath, you know, of every one of these tennis experiences that we have. And that we need to start acknowledging them in healthier ways, because if we don't acknowledge them, we are we're doing a disservice to the game because we, we we because we're because it it's almost like we're it's almost like well, tennis is just a pit stop for you it's not a pit stop it's not a place to go to the bathroom and get a snack Tennis is the reality of tennis is a place for you to have an experience to to develop a skill, to, uh, in, in, in the development of that skill, learn to play a game, learn to play a game at some level, whatever level you're going to play that game. And if we simply keep ignoring these things, we're impeding people's desire to want to play the game because there's all these things that are happening that leave people with lasting experiences. I mean, if you had just left it there. And you had been like, and some people would have, they would have been like, listen, this is uncomfortable. I don't know, kid, you broke your racket. You know, I mean, you're going to have to deal with that. You know, what about my mom? You know, how, what am I, how am I going to explain this to my mom? And you say, well, I don't know. You just say, look, I put it in the wrong place. It's, you know, and no big deal, (laughs) even though it's a total big deal It's a 200 and some dollar racket. And it's only been four months. And um, so I think if we if we have to start acknowledging these things, because if we don't acknowledge these things, um, we're impeding people's love of the game and their ability to want to come back and play. Like, that kid could literally be, <clears throat> and I'm not trying to drop ties, that kid could literally be the way you handled it and everything. And you did that out of the goodness of your heart. You didn't do that because you wanted him to come back to lessons. You just did it out of the goodness of your heart. That kid could have easily have been like, if he was a super perfectionist or his mom was really hard on him, or there's a whole bunch of outside emotional independent variables that could have basically ended his whole tennis thing. He could have been like, nah, I, 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 am I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a loser or, you know, I'm a, uh, I, just, I I'm klutzy and I just shouldn't be playing this sport or, you know, he could have self judged. He could have put himself in a box. He could have whatever, And that would have been the end of it. I broke a $230 racket and my mom is upset with me. me and I can't come back to lessons again. And she said, the only way I'm going to come back to lessons is if I first buy the racket back and or whatever. There could have been a million ways it could have gone, but you helped facilitate that too with the way that you handled it um, by by your recognition and your sensitivity to the situation you know of um, you took stock of the whole situation the sensitivity of it but what I'm getting at here is that make no mistake all this stuff is lurking underneath and you were you were being you were able to recognize this stuff and you were able to work with this stuff and I think the more we can do it as coaches and facilities the better chance we have of making the sport not just accessible but making the sport long term from a sport that people want to come back to because that was a huge moment. That was a huge moment for that, that young guy. And,
1: you know, well, but that just goes back to what we talked about earlier. We need to wrap this up, but confused messaging, you know, we yeah. talked about dogs and being in a house and all these weird things that are actually antithetical to how they should be in the wild. Even if they're domesticated, they're, they're in there. Right. Yeah. So as coaches and as parents or as, as educators, Kids are like dogs, right? Or, or, not even, or if an adult comes into a, to a facility that's never played tennis before, we have to make sure that the messaging is not convoluted. Are we giving confused messaging? Joy lies in the struggle. Right. That's, we need to clarify that because that's what's going to help the emotional invisible barrier
0: because the fact is is that when you're out there playing whether you're playing by yourself you're playing with a practice partner you're playing in a in a a one-on-one lesson or you're playing in a group you're going to struggle and if you if we come at it from that perspective of you're going to struggle how was your struggle today and we really have that open and honest conversation I think people are going to be a lot happier about coming back to the sport, because they're going to be like, yeah, you know, it was a struggle, but I overcame this today, overcame this one little facet of it, or, you know what, it was a struggle, I didn't, I didn't have my best day here, or whatever it is, but by, by, by coming at it from that emotional approach, I think, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna have... You're going to have a draw, a bigger draw to the sport. And you're going to have long, more longevity than we already have. And we have longevity and people are going to play into their 70s and 80s. But what I'm saying is, is that a joy, you know, and, and just what you said. You might be struggling. I'll be fuggling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> dude, dude, you just rock my brain. And
0: you rock my body. That's all for Tennis Rockers.